But it is really, it's really a delight to be back in this service. And I'm so proud of our San Marino Community Church that has more than one way of worshiping together. Uh, we gather for worship. There isn't one way. There's a myriad of ways that we can worship. Tons of music that belongs to the church. Tons of ways of expressing the gospel in our worship and in our life together. So I'm grateful that we have the opportunity and grateful that you've taken the opportunity to come and worship with us. Our text of scripture this morning is about a guy who is kind of a come-as-you-are kind of person in the New Testament. In John's gospel, at the beginning of the gospel, uh, the followers of Jesus are beginning to gather around him, and Nathaniel is one of those. So let me read the story from the first chapter of Nathaniel about Nathaniel. Now the next day, Jesus had decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. And Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. So Philip found Nathanael. Nathanael, by the way, was from the town of Cana. And he told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth. Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked, well, come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? (laughs) You'll see greater things than that. And then he added, very truly, I tell you, you'll see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I'm originally from the Midwest. Maybe that's where I got my early taste of country music. From the great state of Minnesota, grew up in Minneapolis. Now, for some people from more sophisticated cities like Los Angeles and New York, they may think of us Midwesterners as kind of backward people, Um, you know, just fell off the turnip truck, Uh, all those expressions, kind of a hick. Um, But we in the Midwest had our own versions of that uh, because... The people around us were even more hick than we were, and so we poked fun at them. Uh, Iowa, for instance, there were all sorts of jokes about people from Iowa. Uh, We called them Iowegians. And North Dakota, I mean, it's not the end of the world, but you can see it from there. (laughs) We used to tell the joke about Custer, who was encamped in North Dakota with with his army, And he came to his army one night and he said, well, I've got some good news and some bad news. And they said, well, you know, give us the bad news first. And he said, well, tomorrow we're going to ride out and at the Little Bighorn in Montana, we're going to face the Sioux Nation and we're all going to be slaughtered. And they said, well, what's the good news? Well, the good news is we don't have to spend another night in North Dakota. Apparently, Nazareth was that kind of place. Little like North Dakota or like Iowa, 
Can anything good come out of there? No one expected much to come from that part of the world. It was a backwater, an unsophisticated place, uh, not quite with it. Nathaniel was from Cana, probably knew a few jokes about the people from Nazareth. You know, in, in the two cities that I grew up around, Minneapolis, St. Paul, they call it the Twin Cities. But historically, the Lutherans settled in Minneapolis, the Catholics settled in St. Paul, and they were divided by the river. And, of course, through time and intermarriage and a variety of things, all of that changed. Uh, Nathaniel's going to have to change his view of a lot of things. And so are we. When we come to Christ, as Nathaniel did, and when we begin to discover, I mean, if you, if you heard the progression in what I just read, you know, it, it starts off with the son of Joseph. That's how they describe him. Then it goes to uh, rabbi, teacher. Then it moves to son of God. Then it moves to king of Israel. I mean, you can see this progression uh, as they're discovering who he is. And in discovering all of that, stuff has to begin to fall away for Nathaniel. All his prejudice about people from Nazareth, for instance. It's going to have to dissipate. Nathaniel wasn't a bad guy. Maybe he had a little chip on his shoulder, somewhat skeptical. But he had to rethink all of his assumptions about life, all of his presuppositions, and all his prejudices. Jesus, if we're in this series of the masks, right, how Jesus takes off our masks, well, Jesus is kind of removing this mask of self-deception and self-importance. We don't know a lot about Nathaniel, actually. I mean, he appears here at the beginning of the gospel, and he appears at the end of the gospel, but the other gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, don't say anything about him at all. He's not listed in any of the lists of disciples. All we know is what's said about him here, that he was without, in the words I just read, deceit, or in other translations, without guile. He was a straight shooter. He was a kind of guy that what you see is what you get with Nathaniel. He didn't try to cheat people. He wasn't duplicitous. John's gospel is unlike all the other gospels in this regard. We just heard some of the call narratives in John's gospel, as close as we get to the call. Follow me, right? But in the other in the other Gospels, it tells stories of Jesus coming along the shore and the, their fishermen working on their nets, and Jesus calls them and they drop their nets and off they go. You don't get that in John's Gospel in the same way. In John's Gospel, it's this, it's this kind of discovery. People just meet Jesus and they, they hear about him from their friends or their brothers or whatever, and there's this discovery that's going on individually and corporately. They're discovering who he is. Oh, he's just Joseph's son. He's from Nazareth. Now, wait a minute. He's the Messiah. Now, wait a minute. And they keep discovering more and more about who he is. And they're saying things in the first chapter that they won't even understand until after the resurrection, at the end of the story. 
There's a kind of a chain reaction that goes on in the Gospel of John. Some of John the Baptist's followers begin following Jesus after his baptism, and they tell their friends, and they go tell their brothers, and they tell their friends, and then this chain reaction begins to occur. It's almost like a, a contagion takes place. You know, it's, uh, a couple of years ago, it was really kind of a big thing to do a flash mob, you know, as everybody was learning about new social networking, and all of a sudden you could say, hey, you know, Let's all meet at you know, the mall, and we'll do this you know, thing. And our church was involved in that several years ago. It was uh, right at Santa Anita Mall. Our pianist organist, Lisa Edwards, was the one who played the piano at the mall, and all these singers from all over the place did the Hallelujah Chorus in the mall. Um, but it's, you almost get that sense in the Gospel of John that it's like, a social networking flash mob that's beginning to develop as people are finding out about who this Jesus is and what a difference that makes in life. They ascribe these titles to him, Son of God and King of Israel. They don't really understand what they're saying, but there's this dawning awareness, a slowly developing recognition that Jesus is God in the flesh in our midst. Very first verses of John in the, what's known as the prologue, it says, he came to what was his own and his own people did not accept him. Now, Nathaniel is an early example, but he changes his mind in the light of the presence of Christ and he becomes then a person of faith. Not long ago, I was talking to a man who asked me, have I ever told you how the Lord got a hold of my life? And I said, no, I, you know, I don't know if I've really ever heard that story. He said it was back in 1993, my life was falling apart. I figured my marriage had about three weeks left in it before we were going to separate. I was thinking of taking my own life, but I knew it would be hard on my children. I just couldn't see any way forward. I was at home, I was in my study, and I just got down on my knees. And I said, God, I don't even know if you exist. But if you do, please help me. Hey, the Lord surprised him on that day because he heard audibly these words, four words. It's not about you. And in that moment, he said, two truths came home to me. One, <laughs> apparently there's a God. <laughs> and two, I'm not it. I am not God. And those two truths came home to him in a way that changed his life. It created a different kind of chain reaction going on in his life than the one that had already been taking place and led him to a point where he felt there was no future. Now, you know, this many years later, he seeks to serve Christ in everything he does. He's still married. To his first wife. He 
His children have grown up, and he visits his grandchildren every opportunity he gets. And he had this question in his mind, not unlike the question of Nathaniel. Can anything good come out of this? And the answer is a surprising yes. Something good can come out of even this mess that he'd made of his own life, or at least he felt he'd made of his own life. One chain chain reaction working in his life towards despair, and another started in his life with that prayer that led to a very different future of abundance. 20 years later, he's actively engaged in ministry in important ways. So what kind of chain reactions going on in your life in this moment, in this day? Do you, are you leading a life that's leading on a road towards some kind of abundance in the future? Or does it feel like you're going from scarcity to scarcity? And what aspect of your life this morning are you thinking, can anything good come out of this? Do you believe the Lord can make any difference in your life? We've been hearing in this service over the last several weeks from a number of people who've shared how their faith has influenced their life. You've heard testimonials from a number of people I know. And it almost seems as if like there's two gravitational fields in life, like north and south poles. And we get to choose like a compass towards which gravitational field we're going to allow our lives to be pulled Which one will we point our lives towards? Jesus, I'm going to argue, is like true north. It's a strong gravitational field. You put your compass in that direction, and you begin to move in important ways in your life towards things that are positive and healing and growth-producing. You get your bearings in life when you point in that direction, like Nathaniel did, and like these early followers of Jesus are discovering. Nathaniel is said to be a true Israelite. In other words, he'll make up his mind based upon the evidence in front of him of who Jesus is rather than holding on to old ideas, old institutions that were built around Moses. He's open to new ideas. He's not with guile. He's not with deceit. It's kind of like a college freshman before they get into all of the politics of the campus. They're just open, exploring. Our stewardship campaign this year has been kind of a chain reaction, really. We now have somewhere just north of 232 individuals and families who've already committed to a future direction of this church. I mean, it's kind of a gravitational pull. Nathaniel felt that pull. Rather than waiting for more evidence or staying under the fig tree or just remaining passive in the midst of life, he embraced what he saw in front of him. And many people in the church today are doing the same thing. They're embracing what's in front of them, the opportunity that we have together to build something here, to witness to this amazing 
Lordship of Christ, committed to moving forward through the chain reaction that the San Marino Community Church has become. You know, two days ago, on Friday afternoon, we had more people here on this campus than we will have this morning in worship. We're close to 400 people in the sanctuary. It was for the celebration of life of one of the saints of our church, Lori Mitchell. Lori and the entire Mitchell family have been so involved in the surrounding community that a bunch of people came out. And I realized, you know, as I was preparing for worship, I'm thinking, you know, there are going to be more people here on Friday than there will be on Sunday. She taught at uh, the University of Redlands for a number of years. She was teaching in our Financial Peace University class on Sunday mornings, which continues this morning. And the last time she taught was October 6th, right before she really took ill and before the cancer finally ate away at her. Um, But one day in worship, and I think she's kind of a Nathaniel from our own congregation, because she was without deceit or guile. Remarkably accomplished person. She worked for the Big Eight uh, accounting firm on the East Coast. She was picked up by a former employer with the Security and Exchange Commission. She was making cases against falsified financial statements and companies that were falsifying their statements with the Security and Exchange Commission before she was 30 years old. Then she married and she discovered here a calling. Now, she knew that her calling was to be a teacher. She said in her own words, I'm on the face of this earth to teach. That's what I do. That's what I'm passionate about. But in her very first class at the University of Redlands, where she was teaching accounting and finance, she had a young woman who left class and dropped out of school because she had run up so much credit card debt, there was no way she could afford to go to class. And Lori was stewing about this, wondering how is it that we haven't given young people the skills to manage their financial futures in a way that allows them to be healthy and whole and embrace the future. I mean, this is a terrible thing. When your debt has closed off your future entirely and you're only 18 years old. So she came to church and she heard a text about from the book of Esther. The story of Esther who had risen to a position of some significance in the king's court. And all of a sudden there was some stuff that was happening to her people. And she was approached by Mordecai who was her her, uh, caregiver, her uncle, and... These lines from Esther, which have become the most well-known of the whole book, you know, for such a time as this, um, you know, perhaps you have come to your position for such a time as this. And in that, Lori Mitchell heard God calling her to do something about financial illiteracy among young people. A chain reaction began in her heart, and then the surrounding community. She joined the Jumpstart Coalition. She 
developed programs at the University of Redlands. She taught Financial Peace University. She did all of these things. And that influence in the community is what brought the community here on Friday. When your life is pointed in the right direction, things begin to become clearer for us. It's like waking up in the early morning light and you can't quite make everything out clearly. But as the dawn continues to unfold, it reveals more and more and more of the reality around you. This is the Gospel of John. Something has dawned and it's being revealed more and more and more and with greater clarity as the story unfolds. When you're moving towards the light, you see more clearly. If your compass is pointed in the opposite direction, things become more dark, more confused, more difficult, less joyous, more fearful, less gratitude, more anxiety. Our lives become kind of this chain reaction towards whatever pole our compass is pointing. So, my message this morning is don't sit back under whatever fig tree you might be under today. We all find places in life where it gives us just a little shade from the heat of life. But come and see for yourself, like Nathaniel did, if this is the one who can make a difference in your life and in this world. Come and see if Jesus is also able to provide that gravitational force that you need in your life, directing you towards something that can change your life for better and forever. Whatever you're wondering this morning, can anything good come out of this? Ask the Lord to guide you into some new and deeper understanding some sense of wonder and awe at the gift of it all. Let me conclude with this. In The Tipping Point, Malcolm Gladwell's book from a number of years ago, he says this, the possibility of sudden change is at the center of the idea of the tipping point. These three characteristics, one, contagiousness, chain reaction. Two, the fact that little causes can have big effects. And three, that change happens not gradually, but in one dramatic moment. Those three principles are the same principles that define how measles will move through a grade school classroom or how the flu attacks all of us every winter. Just hop on a plane, you'll get it. It also explains fashion crazes and technological developments that quickly become common like these, right? Become so much a part of our lives. Change can happen suddenly and exponentially. So maybe today's a tipping point for you and maybe like Lori Mitchell or like Nathaniel There's something unsettled within you. 
Maybe some word that's been said this morning that's touched a place. Maybe you're ready to get up from under that tree and discover for yourself the adventure of what faith is all about. I, too, can testify to that reality that in this adventure of faith, of faith even greater things will be revealed to us. It begins small, almost imperceptible sometimes, just a change in your heart, and it leads to incredible change. Thanks be to God. Amen.